Coming up on golf today, you will hear from a major championship winner, Lexi Thompson, had the QBE shootout in Naples. She's always dangerous in her native Florida, but how badly does she need a big year in 2023? In Tiger gives a lot of big years back in the day, but how about some predictions for the Big Cat next year? We want to hear from you. It's our social question of the day. And another major champ wants to visit with us, so we said yes. Ashley Buhai, winner at Muirfield and the Australian Open as well, says hello. What's the key to her outstanding bunker play? Info you can use. Help is on the way on Golf Today. Golf Today. Today on a Thursday, Damon Hack alongside Rex Hoggard. He is a senior writer for Golf Channel. He's also a Florida native. So you're familiar with the QBE shootout. What do you love about this unique team event? I can tell you over the last few years, it's amazing how many PGA Tour players have talked about the idea of a mixed team of mm. This is something that they really want for a lot of different reasons. One, it's fun. We're going to see it this week. I mean, we're going to see it with Maver Maverick McNeely yes. and Lexi Thompson. Those two being paired together, it's a dynamic duo. They both play very, very similar games. It's just going to be fun. So that's one of the things mm. that players have looked forward to. The other half of this, they know it's good for golf. They know that this event is only going to gain interest for both, mm. the men and the women's side. And so I think this is a natural fit going forward. I know you guys talked about it yesterday, but this is an opportunity for the two games to come together. And I think it's good for the fans, yes. too, because you get an opportunity to sort of see a different side of the game that we normally don't get to see on a weekend and week out basis. Nice for the viewers to have something yeah. different this week. They have it in Naples. The PGA Tour teased it up at Tiburon Golf Club. Fantastic spot. A buddy got married there. By the way, this week at the QBE Shootout. You can catch live first round coverage tomorrow on Golf Channel at 1 p.m. Eastern time. A lot of good tee times as well. A lot of excitement about this format. And you mentioned Nelly Corda. You got Denny McCarthy. You got Lexi playing. With Maverick McNeely, you got Homa and kids. It's going to be a fun week. And speaking of Lexi, it's been an interesting year for Lexi, wouldn't you say? I mean, she continues to be in contention quite a bit, but not quite able to get it done on the LPGA Tour. Eight top tens with four runner-up finishes. Did add a win the Aramco Series event in New York. But this week will be her sixth start in the QBE shootout, and the first time she's teeing it up with Maverick McNeely, let's take a look at those best finishes. Very close there in 2017. Finished tied for fourth, seventh, ninth, T11, and 12, but still looking for that first win in the QBE. With more from the QBE, let's welcome in Steve Burkowski, who's down in Naples. What should we know about the major championship winner, Lexi Thompson? Well, good afternoon, Damon. We should know she's ready to go here in the QBE, her sixth career start in this tournament that dates all the way back to 1989, but some reports have surfaced in the past few days that this tournament might look a little bit different moving forward in 2023, that it could become a mixed team event starting next year. While that hasn't been uh, officially announced, those are some of the rumblings out there, and it has certainly piqued the interest of a lot of players in the field this week, including Lexi Thompson, who was asked about the possible changes earlier in uh, this week, just a couple days ago. You know, that is something we want to see in general. I think we want to see more team events, golf being such an individual sport. We want more team events, but definitely mix women's and men's. Um, I think it'll be great for the game of golf. I think team events bring a lot bigger fan base. I think people 
absolutely love watching us play and fist pump and just be there for each other. So having mixed men's and women's, I think will bring a lot more fans out to support us. We will see if it comes to fruition uh, for next year and moving forward. Lexi Thompson, Nellie Corder, the first time that two LPGA Tour stars in the field in the QBE shootout. When you think about the mixed team format, it dates all the way back to 1960. And a lot of people remember the JCPenney Classic, which ended in 1999. And talking with some of the men here today, they're thrilled about the prospects. If indeed it does happen, the chance to play alongside some of the very best from the LPGA Tour. And guys, I also caught up with Steve Stricker, the old veteran, if you will, who's playing in his 12th QBE shootout. And he played in the JC Penny Classic back in the 90s. Finally recalls his days alongside Vicky Getz Ackerman. He said he would be thrilled if the change does happen. Hopes he gets the invite again. He's playing with Cameron Young, someone who could be his son here this <laughs> week, but maybe it'll look a little different come 2023. We'll have to wait to find out. Steve Brokowski on the ground for us in Naples, Florida at the QBE shootout. Folks, take you back to Lexi Thompson's last LPGA Tour win. Can you believe it? June? of 2019 at the ShopRite LPJ Classic. Won the event dynamic fashion. Eagle the final hole to finish one shot ahead of Jung Lee six in the win. Mark Lexi's 11th on the LPGA Tour. And it's not like she's been playing poorly since then. Been knocking on the door quite a bit. No one answering. Nine runner-up finishes since that victory on the LPGA. 60 starts since that last victory. 2019 ShopRite LPGA Classic. So who needs a big year in 2023, Rex Hoggard? I'm going to go a little bit different than what we were just talking about because simply I look at what Ricky Fowler has done really over the last three years. He, he's gone through swing coaches. He's gone through caddies. He's trying to find answers, and they just haven't been there. And it seems like every time he gets close, he takes a step back. You look at what he did even to start this fall. He finishes tied for six at the Fortinet Championship in Napa, misses the cut the very next week in Las Vegas, finishes tied for second at the Zozo Championship, T-34 at the CJ Cup. It seems like every time he seems to get some sort of momentum, he just falls backwards, yeah. and it really makes no sense whatsoever. And I've spoken with his former swing coach about this, John Tillery, and the skill is there. The talent is there. We've seen it. You win on the PGA Tour. You win multiple times. You win around the globe. You know what he's capable of doing. At this point, it almost feels like a mental hurdle. You go back to the things that matter. And look, Ricky has told me this really for months, if not years now, that it's not really the swing that's the issue in his opinion. It's that. It's the putting. It's the way he's been able to perform on the greens. It has not been that magical touch that he had earlier in his career when he became Ricky Fowler, when he became the guy who wore the flat brim and the bright yellow, I mean the bright orange on Sundays, and everything that made him so special, that's the part that hasn't been there. And I think more than anything, it's not technical. At this point, it has to be a mental hurdle that he just can't get over. And isn't that amazing? I remember speaking to him at Kiowa, and it was the same thing. I said, you know, Ricky, are you still trying to ingrain these swing changes? And no, I just can't make any putts. And we're talking about someone who, for a time, was the best putter on the PGA Tour. And I kind of teased him that week. I said, hey, I still think you have a wonderful putting stroke. And he's like, <laughs> he's like thank you. But you're right. When, when the putts don't go, I mean, when you're working on your swing and trying to incorporate swing changes, which he was for a time, something is going to be left wanting. You can't put 
all of the hours into swing changes and your putting, and it's possible that there was some neglect there or, at a minimum, Rex, a loss of confidence on the greens. And I'll go back to last week. Victor Hovland talked about this. He put it very, very clearly about what had happened in his game. He felt like his ball striking was so poor, he spent the majority of this year trying to get better of that. He yeah. saw weakness and worked on it, and as a result, his putting fell off. Very, very similar to what Ricky Fowler is going through. And you're right. These are things that almost every professional golfer goes through. In Ricky's particular case, though, it was always imagination. You and I both have had these conversations with Butch Harmon, who yeah. he has worked with in the past and continues to work with. This is not a technical player. Mm. This is not someone who sits up over a putt and tries to paint by numbers. He's going to stand over a putt and see the line and feel it. It's art. It's yeah. not science when it comes to Ricky Fowler. And I think over the last few years, he's tried to make putting a science, mm. and that's just not working for him. Traditionally been a very aggressive putter. Lexi Thompson, on the other hand, has been a bit of a hesitant putter in my opinion she's my player who I think needs to have a big year in 2023 you know she spoke at the Pelican media day and she talked about these close calls and said these are not failures these are learning experiences well she's had a lot of learning experiences since that last win in 2019 she's been in the hundreds in putting average on the LPGA tour for four consecutive seasons and it's hard to win on a Sunday when you don't look comfortable standing over a four- and five-foot putt. She continues to put herself there, which I think is remarkably admirable, and speaks to her toughness and the, the strength of her chin. But, man, it's been tough to watch her on Sundays, but she continues to answer the bell, and for that, I give her a lot of credit. I do give her a lot of credit, and I'm going to come at you with this one a little bit on it, because what we're doing here is the sports media thing, right? We're right. looking at you are what your record says you are, and in right. this particular case, you, you're not a winner since 2019, so that's a problem. I, I was listening to a podcast on my way up here yesterday who was talking about which quarterbacks in the NFL are playing well and which aren't. And they're basing it entirely on win-loss records. Right. And it, the idea was, is what a terrible stat to use for that particular position in, in football. Because there's so many other things that factor into this. I would argue the exact same thing right mm. now. You looked at his re record. We just put it up on the full screen. She's had a really, really good season. Amazing. If you took the name out of it, and right. you put Rory McIlroy's name above that graphic, and you said, well, did this player on the PGA Tour have a bad season? Anybody not named Rory or JT are probably yeah. going to be like, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. No, I didn't win, and that's a problem. We just talked about Cameron Young. He doesn't like coming in second. I get it. But in this particular game, if you're basing your analysis on win-loss, there's so many other things that factor into this. You get a bad bounce. You get a bad side of the draw. You have a bad putting day. Mm. Whatever the case may be, I think she's heading in the right direction. Yeah. You're right. I'm sure in her mind she wants to get that win. But, man, you look at her season and you're like, you put a, a really a solid season together. You don't have to change anything up at this point. I think you're right. And the story in pro golf a lot in the last year or so, maybe forever, has been the bounce back, the resilient player, the, the player who finds victory after a long drought. You, know, you think about a Mackenzie Hughes, for example, or a Charlie Hull, R Russell Henley, Xander. I mean, look at Shane Lowry. He won, you know, the BMW PGA Championship, and that was his first win since winning the Open Championship. Tommy Fleetwood getting it done in, in tears after winning in, in Africa earlier this year. So I think that, if anything, Lexi Thompson has shown that she can bounce back from miss short putts or mistakes or close calls. I mean, that really, along with her 11 LPGA wins and major championships, has been a part of her makeup big picture anyway. And I think I've said this about Tiger Woods quite a bit in the past. I'll go back to the idea that, look, you can lose your health. You can probably lose your confidence if you're – 
professional and you're not putting well or whatever the case may yeah. be. But you never lose whatever that DNA was that made you a champion, mm. be it a major champion or otherwise. In this particular case, Lexi still has all of that DNA. She has all of that talent. She still has all the five tools. Mm. For it to fall in place, you need a little bit of help sometimes. Yeah. But there's nothing about her now that's a different player now than when she did win in 2019. Still one of the best ball strikers in the game. You mentioned Tiger Woods still to come on golf today. We talked Tiger Woods after his week as host in the Bahamas. What do we expect from Tiger in 2023? That's next on Golf Today. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back on Golf Today, time now for In Case You Missed It. How about this? Last night on Golf Channel, the Nota Begay Junior National Golf Championship, Tiger was on the bag for his son Charlie, who teed it up in the 12 to 13 age division. Seeing a lot of this of late Tiger and Charlie, but Tiger carrying the bag. That has to be so much fun. You and I both have boys. We play yes. golf with them. It's fun. And to be able to be in this particular instance, be able to be between the ropes and, and you know, in, in a moment like this. However, Whoever else is in that group has to be so intimidating. Can you I mean, just imagine, imagine oh. being the other guy on the bag? No, thank you. No, thing. You don't want to hit any golf shots in front of Tiger Woods. Well, Tiger Ooh. did play some golf, as you know, this past season. Just three times, though. All of them in the majors. Best finish at the Masters. WD. After the third round of the PGA, they missed the cut at the Open. Really wanted to play in that 150. Now, last week in the Bahamas, Tiger addressed the media and gave an outline of just how much he expects to play in 2023. The goal is to play just the major championships and maybe one or two more. That's it. I mean, that's physically, that's all I can do. And I told you that, guys, you know, the beginning of this year, too. I mean, that's, I don't have much left in this leg. So um, gear up for the biggest ones and hopefully, you know, lightning catches in a bottle. And I, I'm up there in contention with a chance to win. And, I rem and hopefully I remember how to do that. Uh, but, uh, you know, giving myself a chance to get out there again. And with that, it's time for some Tiger Woods predictions. We're of a similar vintage, man. We've been covering Tiger forever. Height of power, the highs, the lows. I've been conditioned to think that this guy can continue to pull 
Rabbits out of the hat, but you were in the Bahamas. What did you see and what do you expect? I feel like I should have learned this lesson so far ago. Like, just don't doubt Tiger Woods. I've been through this too many times, <laughs> the ups and downs. I should really know better. It was interesting. Uh, I was on the show with you guys the day he talked last week from the Bahamas, and you were talking, you and Eamon, about showing pictures of him from this year and the limp. It was clear. He was clearly struggling on that right leg. Completely understandable after everything he's been through. I will tell you, watching him move his way, you know, kind of go around the property last week, it was much, much, much worse. Mm. And clearly, it, the plantar fasciitis, it, it's very, very difficult. It was very painful. That said, when he just mentioned what we heard in that clip, that the idea is to play the four majors and one or two others, in my mind, that sounded very optimistic. Okay. I'm not quite sure how we get there. He played nine rounds of golf this year, and you could see him struggle. Look, the highlight was the Masters, and that seemed like it was the high watermark for his entire year, just being on property on Monday. That felt like a Sunday at Augusta sure with the green jacket on the line. I mean, every, there was so much anticipation. Everybody wanted to come out and see him play. Everyone wanted to come out and see what he looked like in that particular case. And I can tell you behind the scenes, he put on such a good show of not just making the cut, but at least going out and no, he wasn't in contention, but he certainly played well enough that if he got some things to fall the right way, he very easily could have been. But behind the scenes, it was such a struggle. And I just have to ask myself time and time again, how much more of that is he willing to endure? Because I know in his mind he 100% believes in what he just said, that if I can catch lightning in a bottle, he still feels like he can contend, especially at some of these venues. I'll, I'll go immediately to next year's Open Championship. Sure. The idea of what he could do at rural Liverpool, based on what he did back in 2006, and I believe that was the clinic. That was Tiger Woods at his methodical best. For him just to hit one driver – that entire week, that to me is the one I always go back to. It was yellow, it was fast, it was bouncy, it was perfect for him. If we get a similar scenario where all of those stars aligned and he can go out and the leg holds up and the back doesn't hurt and everything else that goes into making sure he's healthy, I can see him catching lightning in a bottle there, but everything's got to line up for that to work. It does. It has to be frustrating when you know in your heart that you can still beat these guys. He, he knows that he has the swing to do it. We all know he has the mind to do it, but does he have the body to do it anymore? I know he has the motivation, A, because that's how he's built, but B, I think there's fresh motivation with his son loving the game as much as he does. And we talked to Lanny Watkins yesterday who said he talked to John Cook, and Cookie is saying that, listen, Tiger is enjoying playing golf as much just because of this relationship with his son. Mm -hmm. And that great athletes, when they have their progeny follow them in the family business, as it were. It gives them new life. Lanny Watkins says the only reason he practices now is to play golf with his kids and hit wedges inside his kids. That competitive fire never dies. I'm not ready to say that Tiger is done. I think this plantar fasciitis is a bump in the road. It is a very difficult thing to overcome, and he, he said he got it because he overworked and overtrained. Mm -hmm. but, but this man loves work, and I still think that if he does have a week of good health, that he will have a chance to play some great golf again. I, I agree with that. And I'll go back to this year. It was clear everything was aimed towards St. Andrews because, it, look, everything was going to be perfect for him. Then he, yeah. he understands that golf course better than anyone else in the game of golf. It's a flat walk. It, physically, it was not going to be the most demanding of the four major championships. And he had won there before. So everything about St. Andrews was a perfect fit for him, and his body did not crop crop. Yeah. Uh, my concern here is, and you're 100% right, I mean, mentally, and we're going to see that this weekend when he does the match with, with, with JT and Jordan and Rory. There's going to be some fun. There's going to be some trash talking. But I truly believe that he wants to win that because 
that's the competitor that's driven him to 15 major championships and everything else that he's done in the game. My fear is that the body just is not going to be there for him like, mm. it, like it has been in the past. Where if you look over the last few years, you, he would get those one weeks. He, yeah. would get the, he got that one week at the Zozo Championship. Yep. And he got the one week at the Tour Championship and the Masters. And everything fell into place. Watching him now, it, it's getting harder and harder for me to see how that one week matches up when he decides, can, will play. You've been at the Bahamas when he has been in a, you know, a, a tough mood. When the whole vibe was somber. You know, 2015. <laughs> so many times. So many yeah. times. So I ask you, how was his mood this year? Was it different? Was it optimistic? Was it pessimistic? Was it neutral? I think it was more optimistic than I would have thought. Again, for, I'll go back to the idea that for him to say the four majors and one or two others, and it's yes. obvious what those one or two others are. It's going to be Riviera. I mean, that benefits right. his foundation. That makes perfect sense. I would think the other's probably going to be the Players' Championship mm. because of where he he's with the PGA Tour right now. And yes. that would be a very, very significant start for him. So if those are the other two, I think that's great for golf. It's great for the PGA Tour. Again, I kind of walked away thinking that might be overly optimistic given what we have seen out of him over the last few months, or this year, I would say. But the other side of this is, yes, if he can turn it around. We've been in this position before where you've wondered, how does he put it all back together? And we know he's got a really good team behind the scenes. We know that he's working harder than you could possibly imagine yeah. behind the scenes. As you pointed out, the reason he couldn't play last week is that he worked too hard, which is <laughs> an indication. So everything is in place. I just think it gets harder and harder. And listening to him talk last week, and he has said this before, and it's a little morose, it's a little dark, but when he talks about what am I going to be doing eight years from now when we go back mm -hmm. to St. Andrews, well, I hope I have a leg. And look, it, it's joking, but you're kind of like, uh, you, you really wish he wouldn't say that. But I understand where he's coming from because no one knows his body, body better than Tiger Woods. And going into next year, I'm sure in his mind, he's looking at Augusta mm. and Liverpool and all these other places where he's had success. And the competitor is always going to win out because it always does. You get the sense that the players, his peers, still kind of respect the ring and you know, they can poke fun at him and, and, and jab him and call him old man and uncle and all those things. But don't you think that they know that they know the resume? They, they know the, the major championship tally and the PGA Tour tally mm. and the history of this is the player they grew up watching. Don't you think there's still just an element of, if not fear, they want to mix it up with them, but at least respect and never counting this player out? I'm working on a story that goes back to the meeting in Delaware that mm. Tiger and Rory ran. And I, I'm just trying to get an idea of what exactly both of those players brought to the meeting. What was Tiger's message? To your point, yes, all of them. All the way down to Cameron Young, who I talked to about this. Every player understood exactly what he accomplished and how impossible that yeah. was to accomplish. If you ask a player like Cameron Young, how do you wrap your mind around winning 15 major championships? That's not something that you can do yeah. at this stage in your career. So, yes, his voice still very much carries. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Golf Central Update, brought to you by Callaway Golf.
PGA Tour tees it up this week at Tiburon Golf Club, Naples, Florida. Temps in the 80s, QBE shootout. You can catch live first-round coverage tomorrow on Golf Channel, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Here's some players on this unique format. You can hear the old adage of getting along with somebody or the ham and egg part. Someone's a good driver and a good iron player, and the other guy's a good short game and putter. I think at the end of the day, both guys got to be very strong in their game. And um, I think you both have got to be playing well. So I don't know if there's a secret recipe to what makes a good partner. Um, you've seen some partnerships that people are sort of, well, that doesn't make sense, and they've been great, and other partnerships that you think they should have worked, and, and they haven't. Um, but, you know, for me and myself, I play with a lot of different partners here, and we've played very well. Uh, we just haven't won, and, and uh, I think it's just uh, understand that, you know, you got to play the way you play, and, and hopefully your partner's playing well, and, and that leads to success. I find that, um, you know, guys that, uh, you know, they come in and, and, and do their homework, do their work, kind of have a game plan going forward. I, I think it, it most of the time it's kind of like an easy kind of a week. It's not like so cutthroat typically how we're playing each, you know, week in and week out. But um, I don't know, Billy, I, I feel like I'll be doing most of the listening and he'll be doing most of the talking, which is a good thing because I, I, I tend to like it that way. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like with Billy, he's just, he's a guy that will always keep it straight. you gotta, you got to kind of gel together. You know, one guy that is able to hit it straight, one guy that's able to hit it long and, and take on some risk, uh, I think that, that uh, bodes well. And then, and then you've you got to have guys that, you know, typically putt well. You know, so that's... You know, you know, Billy. I feel like he's he can streak it pretty good. So, you know, his putty his putting's like improved a lot. And I think, uh, you know, with my putting, I feel like, you know, it's coming around too. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. And we've never played together before, Cam Young and I. But um, you know, I got to spend some time with him at the Presidents Cup this year, and, and a great kid, quiet. Uh, seemed like we have a lot of uh, our demeanors are quite similar. Uh, I think just getting along with the guy out there on the course and. Obviously, when a guy can hit it about 3.30 or 40, uh, that makes a good partner, and I know he can do that. So I'm looking forward to playing from some of the spots where he's going to drive us, and um, you know, and I'll just do my thing, you know, try to hit it in play and keep it in play and, and throw in birdies when I can. And, uh, but it's just, I think just having fun with your partner is the main thing, and, and um, you know, obviously your game's got to go well together, and, but having a good time and, and enjoying a, a tournament in a weather like this is always a special spot. Some fun tea times you can catch tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Steve Stricker and Cam Young. How about Cam Young? Not even born when Steve Stricker won his first PGA Tour event back in 96 at the Kemper Open. Nelly Corda with Denny McCarthy. Lexi Thompson with Mav McNeely. Going to be a lot of fun down in Naples. Time now, though, to dive into Rex Hoggard's notebook. Our own Rex Hoggard has a column up on GolfChannel.com right now that you can read. You don't want to miss it. Details just how much the ongoing battle between Live Golf and the PGA Tour has not only disrupted the game, but also relationships between the players. That's on GolfChannel.com. This divide. Rex, what should we know? What's the crux of this article and these fractured friendships? Well, we start, it seems like, every conversation these days with the idea that, okay, this is what's been dominating golf. So I came into it with the idea that how has it impacted the players? Mm. Like, and I think you could make an argument that if you're a top player on the PGA Tour or Live Golf, it's probably been good for you. It's given you an opportunity that you wouldn't have otherwise. But there is a personal side of this, is what I discovered. And I had an opportunity to talk with players from both sides just about how friendships have been divided over this. And there was, we, we've heard 
from Roy McIlroy being the primary example just last week talked about how he and Sergio Garcia sort of unraveled and this is a friendship that goes back years on the Ryder Cup these yeah. two are staples in that team and no longer friends now that we read about it happened at the U.S. Open Sergio didn't like some of the things that Rory said and sent him a text and Rory as we all know wasn't shy about texting him back and giving him his peace of the mind but it goes even further than that from what I discovered and the interesting thing is and pardon the pun, but when it all first started, when you had players that went to live golf, it was live and let live. Like, mm. you go do what you want to do. Good for you. I don't agree with your decision, but I'm going to stay here. Where it became very, very personal for most players is the lawsuit that came up mm. in August. And specifically, you can look at some of the players who were involved in that lawsuit. And the one that immediately came to mind, and they were paired at the QBE last year, is Hudson Swafford and Brian Harmon. These are two guys. They played college golf together. Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah. I mean, they, they were Athens together. They were Georgia black and blue to their hearts. They moved to St. Simons Island together. Mm. Uh, they play practice rounds together. I mean, these two guys were tight. I don't think I'm overstating that at all. And that's probably not the case anymore. I talked to both of those players, and neither one of them wanted to make it overly personal. They didn't want to dig into the relationship between them. But they both talked about the idea that, from Brian Harmon's point of view, no. I don't like the fact that they're not suing the PGA Tour and Brian's assessment. They're suing me and what I stand for and mm. trying to take what I do for a living away from me. And if you look at it from the other standpoint, which I really tried to do, Hudson Swafford was just kind of trying to follow his heart. At the time, if you look at when he joined the lawsuit, he was trying to play the playoffs. He felt like he'd earned enough points. And so there is a disagreement there. And maybe you, they come to some sort of middle ground. And those aren't the only two that I talked to. I, I thought the most fascinating answer I got when I was reporting the story was from Joel Damon. No big yeah. surprise on that front. But he said that, by and large, his relationship with the guys in Scottsdale is pretty much the same. That, okay. you, know, you don't run in the same circles anymore, so it's not as though you spend a lot of time together. But what he pointed out is that there's probably a good amount of jealousy. He pointed out that the guys over in Live are making a lot of money. And there were players that probably weren't going to make a lot of money on the PGA Tour and right. that there are players who remain loyal to the PGA Tour that are looking mm. to the other side right now. So it was kind of a fascinating story to write just because there were so many layers to it. One thing that's evolved, at least, and it surprised me, is hearing Tiger and Rory say that there is a path forward should the lawsuits be stayed mm. and should Greg Norman step aside. Uh, you know, if this is a, a rivalry, do you, wouldn't you think they would try to stamp out the other side and say, this is this is anathema to what we want to do on the PJ Tour. We don't want to path forward with you. We want to extinguish you. This may be say, you know what? That's not good for golf. Let's find a way to collaborate. It, it, are you feeling that, that it's not just Rory and Tiger saying, listen, this schism is bad for golf. We're not going to put them away. Let's find a way to work with them if Greg Norman steps aside. I think because there's so many unknowns right now that what Rory and Tiger said publicly is probably being talked about behind the scenes as well. There was a meeting last week at the Hero World Challenge that Tiger ran that essentially probably said the same thing. Yeah. By all accounts, this started in Wilmington, Delaware, when Tiger and Rory got the game's top stars together. And the idea there being, to your point, is this is not sustainable for either side, either the PGA Tour mm. or Live Golf side. For Live Golf, it's about world ranking points. For the PGA Tour, it's about they don't want to lose any more of their top players, which is what this is all about, changing the schedule, putting in the PIP, everything that goes to that. So, yes, I think opening the door is a response to the idea that even if I had one player tell me last week, and it was an interesting take, why do we have to come together? Why does there have to be some sort of coexistence? Mm, Can't yeah. they do their thing and we do our mm. thing? Which is also an option. And in this particular case, that it applies to this story, I think you can move forward with that. However, 
I'm not quite sure if that's in the best interest of the game either. A lot of year-end wraps being uh, put out by newspapers and you know, websites. Uh, maybe not newspapers so much <laughs> anymore. I'm thinking back to the 1980s. They say that this story has been the biggest story in sports, this schism in professional golf. Do you think it will be in 2023? This, it'll be ahead of World Cups or, or other sports issues. NIL, for example, was a big story. Will this be the lead story in sports Next year, I'd say Tiger Woods will probably have something to say of that. I mean, mm. let's say we just had a long segment about what do we expect for him next year. Let's say the magical week does happen in yeah. Liverpool. He yeah. could certainly change that narrative very, very quickly. Yeah, but I think it is simply because we're not in a position right now. Like, I, I do appreciate that Tiger and Rory have cracked the door open, but mm. the lawsuit is the part that gets me. I, I right. probably follow it more than I should, to be quite honest with you, given sort of my sanity and the fact I didn't go to law school. However, in this particular case, they are so far apart. Yeah. And there is no middle ground right now that you can find. It's hard to imagine how over the next 12 months we come to some sort of detente. And I'm not quite even sure what that looks like. Terrific article on GolfChannel.com from our Rex Hoggard on the other side of the break. Catching up with a major champ, Ashley Buhide joins fresh off her win over the weekend in Australia. A look back at her breakthrough year when Golf Today returns. We are back on golf today. One of the great moments of the LPGA Tour season came in August. Ashley Buhai secured her first major AIG Women's Open. Muirfield, sun was setting. South African defeated Inji Chun in a playoff. First career LPGA Tour win. That bunker game just did not quit. And then she returned to the winner's circle over the weekend, the Australian Open. Held off Grace Kim and G.A. Shin to win by one. Tapped in for par after watching Shin's birdie attempt to force a playoff just miss and added the title to a women's open crown with a 12 under total. It's been a fantastic year. Just three missed cuts. You see kind of a cool start with a fast finish. A couple top 10 finishes on the LPG Tour season entering August. But man, she closed like a house on fire getting the win in the AIG Women's Open and the Australian Women's Open as well. And the champion joins us now. Ashley, great to see you once again. You had to fight back tears after you reflected on your year winning the rare double, Women's Open, Aussie Open, why has it impacted you so strongly? I think it's just, you know, I've been professional for 15 years now and you always wonder is that win on the LPGA going to happen or on the biggest stage? And um, obviously the win at Murfield was huge uh, for me, life-changing. It's, it's stuff that you dream about. And then I think, you know, it was a case of, well, will it happen again? Obviously, I was hoping this is the start of something. Um, and to do it a few months later, I think is just so rewarding. And for it to have been such a long year and to finish off that way, I also had um, family and friends that came out to watch in Australia. So to have them there, it was very uh, special to celebrate with them. Go back to the Women's Open. And I know you've had some time to process this now and since you've won the championship. What was it like having the 54-hole lead at a major championship and then going into the playoff? I, I can only imagine the nerves in a situation like that. Yeah, obviously the most nervous I've ever been in my career. But that, that whole week I felt so in control, so calm. And like I'd said, you know, my only focus was to try and control what I could. And that was keeping my tempo uh, in the playoff like I had done on every other shot um, that whole week other than the 15th hole, I'd say. So... And that's all I could control and to try to keep me in that moment. And then obviously when it was happened, again, the emotions just came flooding over when Dave ran onto the green. 
Ashley, I understand you started working with a mental coach in February, Duncan McCarthy. What has been the biggest benefit of having him on your team? Um, I think it was just the start of first looking after the person. Um, you know, COVID had an impact on many of us. For me being from South Africa, not being able to go back and see my family, we hadn't quite realized how that affected me personally. And it was kind of going into my game and the frustration on the golf course. So, you know, we kind of took care of Ashley, the human being. And once we kind of felt that, that was in a good space, we turned to the golf course and you know, gave me the tools to cope under pressure and just try to do a few things right um, every week. And they change every week um, as opposed to trying to do 10 different things right and, and not even getting one, one right in a way. So it's kind of just breaking things down and going back to the beginning. Now, this probably goes to a conversation you're going to have with your team, including Duncan. But after the career year you've had, how do you sort of reassess your goals going into next year? After winning a major championship, winning the Australian Open, everything that goes into that, do you almost set the, the bar a little bit higher going into next year, or is that the danger? Um, yeah, well, now I've proven that I can do it, so obviously you want to do it again. Uh, so those will definitely be the goals. I mean, like I've mentioned before, if you had told me at the end of 2022 I'd be sitting with two trophies, let alone a major, I would never have believed you. But now I've proven I, I can do it. And hopefully, you know, the goal is to get yourself in contention as many times as you can. And, you know, you're not going to pull off a one every time, but to see if it can happen. Um, and again, just, you know, to rather do, do a few things right every week. And hopefully that will bring an outcome we would like. Ashley, I play this game at a very, very low level. Your bunker play is something to behold. It's a shot that befuddles the high handicapper. What is one key, just one key to hitting bunker shots well? Um, well, for me, it's always the case. You need your weight on your left side and, um, you know, open face. But I like to try and bounce the toe of the bunker. And I always try to say to amateur golfers or, like, when I'm playing in programs, have a feeling of throwing the sand to where you want the ball to land. Because, um, obviously, a lot of amateur golfers will swing short, duff it, or, or thin it. Um, you have to stay committed and take a big swing at a bunker and, um, you know, throw that sand. Now, your husband caddied for you, but you've also, you know, had him outside the ropes as well, cheering for you. What's his status for 2023? How are you going to make this work? I mean, both ways clearly are successful. No, it was just a once-off week at the Australian Open. I mean, he caddied for me for eight years, but um, he caddies for Jill and Lee Six, and they have a great partnership out on out on the course. And uh, Tanya Patterson, my caddy, we do too, so... Nothing will change going forward. It's just fantastic that I'm able to have his support. And obviously, we, we travel on the LPGA together. And, you know, it's a good. We're able to go to work and then come home from work and um, talk about our days. And, and it's almost like a so-called normal relationship, but it's, it's just on the road. Love that. Ashley, it's just after 4.30 in Australia in the morning. Are you going back to bed now? Are you going to go work on your, your wedge game? What's the plan for the rest of the day? Oh, no, the, the clubs haven't come out the travel bag since the Australian Open, and they won't for probably another three weeks as I head back to South Africa um, tomorrow to finally be able to celebrate with family and friends there. Um, I'm staying currently with my sister-in-law, my niece and nephew, and we, we're just probably going to enjoy the day, but I'm hoping to get some sleep. You've earned some sleep and some nice rest as well. Congratulations on a fantastic year. Let's speak to you down the road in 2023. Thank you very much.